Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of the Define University podcast, where this week I am giving you a little insight into what is going on in the mind of Lindsay. So this week's episode, I I have called, you know, what's on my mind? Because like the title hopefully is telling you, um, I've got a lot on my mind this week. And actually, instead of sharing everything, because it has it has been a week, I don't know how it was for you, but but my week here had it was just a lot of highs and lows. So a lot of ups and downs, a lot of all the things going on. And with that came a lot of reflecting, a lot of processing, a lot of internal thoughts and internal analysis and and all those things. So when I sat down to record today's episode that you are currently listening to, you know, originally I had, you know, on my on my planning guide, on my, you know, what I want to talk about, I had originally thought of doing like a, a coffee chat. And I've done them before where it kind of just if we were sitting down to have coffee, what would I talk about? And the more that I looked at my list, though, I was like, I don't know that this would be a very, you know, <laughs> a very exciting coffee chat because I don't know, the things on my mind this week have been all over the map. And, and so what I have done is I've, I've taken three things that I just, for whatever reason, I feel called to share with you. Um, and so that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to share with you three main things that have been on my heart, on my soul, on my mind. Uh, this week, and and we're gonna go with that. And if anything resonates with you, I which I hope it does. Um, I would love to hear what what your thoughts were. I would love to you know connect with you about this because I think hopefully my goal in starting the conversation today is to one tell you that it is okay that you know our, our thoughts are never one and done. And so if things continue to come to you or you continue to think about things. That's for a reason. And, and part of what I'm sharing today is just that, because the things I'm sharing about, they have been kind of resurfacing, reoccurring thoughts that I've been having. And, and you know, I'm like, I just got to express them. And so I figured, why not? Let's record. Let's just kind of see where it goes. And uh, so let's get started. So the first the first thing that I want to share with you that's really been on my mind this week, but really since the beginning of school has been this difference between telling and experiencing. And, and if you've seen me on, on Instagram or Facebook, I've posted a couple times about this. I talked about it on my Instagram stories as well because it has been that much on my mind. And it, and it comes down to, you know, I think as educators, we know that teaching is not telling. It is not, you know, the teacher standing in front of the room, just spitting out information, expecting the students to then learn that content. Yet what I continue to see is when it comes to behavior, we often, we fall into that. We think, well, I told them the expectations. I put the poster on the wall. The students repeated it back to me. But there's been no experiencing of the of the skills, of the behaviors. And so, you know, I get so fired up because I think so many people would say, oh, my goodness, no, that's so, you know, quote unquote, old fashioned teaching. If I stand in front and just talk to my students, 
Yet what I'm seeing is that is exactly what we're doing when it comes to behavior. Or maybe at least the next step up is we're having them experience it the first week of school and then we're jumping into content. You know, I think so I saw so many things on social media and I was so excited this year that we were going to spend more time with social emotional learning at the beginning of the year. And we were going to really emphasize, you know, this social emotional connection between, you know, staff and students and, and colleagues and parents. And, and it started, but I just don't know how far it got. And maybe that's just in my perspective. And if so, that's okay. Please reach out and let me know if you've seen, if you've seen differently, because I want to know what's out there and I want to know what experiences we can be providing to our students, especially when it comes to behavior. See, simply telling our students the expectations, it's not enough. It is not enough. They need to experience them. They need to practice them. They need to truly be able to understand what those behavioral expectations are in order to, to do them, in order to take action. See, we often hear, you know, knowledge is power. And, and I learned a year ago, maybe two years ago now, that it's really, you know, applied knowledge or, or knowledge that's implemented, knowledge that's used. Because at the end of the day, I can know a whole bunch of things. But if I'm not taking action to show what I know, then it then does it really matter, I guess, is the question. And it reminded me, as I've really been thinking about all of this, it reminded me of, of one of my favorite educators, Dave Schmidow, and in his book, it's like riding a bike, you know, he talks about, and he, and he quotes, whether they can do anything with the knowledge, with the information, once they have consumed it, is, is, what most, is what's most important. So, because again, if you know the expectations, but you're not following them, well, then as educators, we get frustrated. The student isn't learning. Now there's conflict. Now we're in power struggles and you can see where we're going. But if we're doing it, if, if our students are following through with the expectations because they understand it, well, that's a totally different story. So it got me thinking, you know, what are some ways that I have taught or, or have taught the experience of behavior? Because certainly we don't want it to be fake. We want it to be authentic and genuine, but we also want multiple, multiple times, multiple, multiple ways that our students can experience. So here are some ways that I, beyond telling, I help students experience behavior within the classroom. So the first is I use what I call interactive social stories. So if you're not familiar with social stories, um, Carol Gray created them or, or made them, you know, kind of famous, made them um, very much uh, a strategy to use with students. And it essentially maps out, you know, situations, behaviors. It's a story. It's a story on how students should engage. Well, my only challenge with them is in, for some of my students, they end up just memorizing them. So again, they can tell me what it is they need to do, but they are not showing me what they need to do. So what I've done is I make them interactive, meaning I either have the student act them out if they're able to, or I, I simply make pictures that go with each page. So if it's, if it's a social story about accepting no, maybe I'm working with a student that's having a really hard time accepting no. So I might put on the page, you know, sometimes adults, you know, in the classroom might tell me no. When an adult tells me no, I feel, and then there's a blank. 
And then I would have pictures at the bottom or words, depending on the level of the student, that might say angry, bored, frustrated, happy, you know, a variety of emotions. So that it forces the student or it increases the likelihood that as the student is reading this, they are they're also comprehending. Because if you see the student just put happy on the sheet, well, then you get to have a conversation about that and say, let's talk about that. When I tell you, no, you feel happy, the student may say, oh, no, I feel angry. Well, now you know that they, they've re-engaged with the task. So now they can tell you you're angry. Now you even have an opportunity to practice happy face, angry face. Now you have an opportunity to talk about a time that does make the student happy. So now you can compare happy to angry. And so hopefully you can see just by changing the lens of a social story to make it more interactive, it now becomes a conversation. And when there's a conversation between two people, you've now established connection. And when there's connection, you are building a relationship. So we took what often is just an independent activity of a student reading their social story or somebody reading it to them, which is very passive. We've now turned it into an active, engaging activity where the student is experiencing the emotions, they're experiencing the actions. So therefore we are bridging the gap from when now as they're calm doing this activity to when they do hear no next time, their brain has more of a recall ability to say, oh, this is someone telling me no, this makes me angry and here's what I can do about it. Okay, so, and then, so taking kind of that, we could then take it one next level and we can do videos. You can either make videos with your students or there are so many already available on the internet. You just have to do a quick search. And again, just by seeing that visual of students interacting, you can then have a conversation. We want to make, to me, the biggest difference from telling versus experiencing is we're going from passive to active. We're going from simply listening to listening and responding. So that to me is how we can experience this with our students through a variety of, of ages. This is not just for our elementary. I have done very similar activities with high school students. High school students, I might, I, again, videos are great. We also could do something like this, do a podcast and have them talk about experiences, have them talk about their emotions, have them experience situations that have happened in high school, right? How cool would it be to have a podcast in the day in the life of a high schooler? You can have them share their reflections each and every day. That is how we experience it. We hear, we hear what they are saying, and then we are able to, to really use that momentum to create change moving forward. Something else I have done with students in this same kind of realm is have them create comic strips. So there's, again, there's tons out there, but you could also have them create their own. You can do that on paper. You can do that digitally. The, the possibilities truly are endless. But when we think about how do I shift this once passive activity into an active activity, that's where we're going to see students more, taking more ownership, more autonomy of that experiential learning even when it comes to behavior. So one last thing I have done is, as I love picture books, there are tons. Julia, Julia Cook is one of my uh, favorites for these social emotional learning books, but there's tons out there. And again, you can use these and you could use these with older students as well because you could read them one and then have them create their own. How fun would that be? If you have a high school student, 
have them create their own, and then they get to share it to a kindergarten student or a kindergarten class. This is how we take telling into this experiential learning. So ultimately, we are looking to bridge the gap between knowledge and true understanding of these behavioral behavior concepts. It is so important that we start to put the principles that we know into practice. Again, our students, 99.9% .9 of them know the expectation. They know what to do and what not to do. But there's a reason, and we've got to figure out that reason, why they're not doing it. And that is where I think we can, we as educators, we can up level, so to speak. We can increase our impact by teaching them that why. Ultimately, too, it comes down to, you know, expectations are not often the why. The expectations are what. They are what they should be doing or shouldn't be doing in the classroom. The expectations state what is expected and what is unexpected for, you know, the classroom setting or, or wherever you are, the school building. But when we can connect those expectations to a value, that is where, again, we can tie it to the why. You know, walking quietly in the halls, that is, that's an expectation. But why? When if a student says, why do we have to be quiet in the hallways? Do you have an answer? Or is it, I don't know, because that's what they say. Well, that's not a value, right? And so the student simply has been told to do something. And let's face it, as adults, we've all been told to do things too. And we don't always follow. <laughs> we sometimes break the rules. And yet, when it comes to a student, we expect them to be 100%. And so let's, let's erase that 100%. And let's just aim to each be our best every single day. And let's be better today than yesterday. And so let's go back to that real quick. Because if a student asked me that, and I said, that's a really great question. Because I think, I think questions are great. I think the more we can keep our students asking questions, I think it's going to keep them talking more and engaging in conversation. And when they engage in conversation, we know what they're thinking. And when we know what they're thinking, we can get what they're feeling because it's the growth cycle. It's thoughts lead to feelings, lead to actions, which lead to results. What happens, I think, with some of our toughest students is we don't know what they're thinking because they often share it through, the, through a behavior, through action instead of through words. So if we can get our students talking and asking questions, man, we are so much more likely to then make a connection between what they're thinking and what they're feeling tied to those actions that they're taking. And so I might say, well, that's a really great question. Let's think about why it's important to be quiet in the hallways. What do you think? Like I'm wondering because, or I'm thinking there's other classrooms in the hallway or there's other, yeah, there's other classrooms in the hallway. And so when I'm quiet, I'm respecting the learning and the teaching of the other students in the hallway. So for me, we're quiet in the hallway, so it shows the value of respect to other people's learning. Do you agree with that or not? Or what do you think? And you have a conversation. But you see, it's a lot harder to argue that value of respect when you've tied it to what they're doing. If we just say, because as adults, that's what we've said, well, you right now could think of probably five students that are going to argue with you about that. When it ties to a value, they're experiencing it. Because they also, at some point, they want to be, they want their learning to be respected as well. So now we, we've come full circle. Now we're able to support the students in understanding how that expectation ties to a value. And then we can move from there. So other things we look at, I mentioned before, we don't always follow rules. So we have to think about, you know, we have to think about if our students don't, what does that look like? 
And so is our environment, the environments that we are creating, are they safe? And, and I, you know, on one hand, we could look at, you know, physically safe. But right now, I really want you to consider, you know, environmentally safe um, or mentally safe. Are they safe to make mistakes? Are they safe to have to make errors and to learn from those errors? Or are they so afraid to try because if they make a mistake, it's going to be it's going to be held against them. Right. So often one of the examples that I love to use is, is driving. Right. So many adults will speed at some point or another. Some speed every day. Yet you don't always get pulled over every single time you speed. And if you do get pulled over, you don't always get a ticket. Well, I could take it one step further, because what if you do get pulled over? You are speeding. You get pulled over and you get a ticket. That ticket is a consequence. Right. That's what happened after you sped. That is the, the response of the police officer gave you that ticket. Well, guess what? The value of that consequence is still not going to be enough for some adults to never speed again. Because the value of a consequence is what matters so much when we are talking about if the consequence is going to be a teaching tool to change behavior. See, consequences are simply the responses that happen after a behavior occurs. And the ability, if we have the tool that is going to add value, and teach and, and secure an understanding, there's that word again, an understanding in our students to learn from the action they took, well, that's how you get a valuable consequence. Because see, if I get pulled over and I have, you know, millions in the bank, you know, that'd be nice. I don't, but let's pretend I do. I, I have millions in the bank. And so this, you know, $100 ticket, that's really not going to be that, that, that's not going to, that's not going to bother me, right? I can pay for it and move on with my day. But what if I get pulled over and I'm one point away from losing my license or I have no money in the bank? That consequence of a ticket is probably going to impact me more than in the first scenario I gave. So that's why consequences really need to be individualized because it comes down to the value that it holds for the individual's behavior you are looking to influence, transform, and ultimately change. All right, one last thing I want to talk about on this this specific topic is that I want you to focus with our students on saying what you see and not what you think. So oftentimes as educators, we'll say, you know, it looks like this and I think this. Well, we're ultimately putting our thoughts then on the student. And some of our students are not going to like that. They're not going to want that. They're going to want to say, no, this is what I think. And so instead, I want you just to say what you notice. I want you to say what you think or say what you see instead of what you think. And so I want to give you an example. I was working with a seventh grader the other day who seemingly was very tired. He identified he was tired. He was having a hard time keeping his eyes open. But I also noticed that the work that they were doing, and I've known this student for a few years now, and so I noticed the work that they were doing was probably difficult. You know, I, again, I was making that assumption because I've known the work he's done before. And so I had two thoughts in my head. You know, is this, he's truly tired, you know, we use zones of regulation. So is this like a true blue zone tired? Or is this that, wow, this work is really hard. So instead of getting frustrated, instead of engaging in behaviors like he might in the past, I'm going to put my head down and, and be tired. And I honestly wasn't sure which one it was. So I asked, I went to him and I said, hey, I'm noticing that you're having a hard time staying awake today. 
I'm noticing that, you know, when the work came on the board, your head went down. So I'm wondering, could you help me understand, is this a blue zone tired or is this this work is really hard kind of tired? And again, I have a relationship with this student. So he looked right at me and he said, Mrs. Titus, I am just exhausted today. And I said, OK, thank you so much for telling me. And then I followed up with, I am so proud of you that one, you recognize that you were tired. Two, you told us and you advocated for yourself in such an expected way. You stayed calm. You stayed in class. That is amazing. I am so proud of you. And we, we elbowed it out because of where we are right now. Um, but it was a really great moment that was truly about seeing where he's at. Instead of saying, you know, it looks like you're exhausted right now, but we need to keep our head up and we need to get back on track. I, let, I, I was able to reinforce that he identified what he advocated for. And that, you know, really this, this comes down to this, this exhaustion and we know basic needs first. So, so he was there, he was in class, we reinforced those pieces and we will keep working next week. It's one class. So the more that we, again, can help students experience their own emotions, experience their behaviors, and then learn from them. Well, that's, that's the beautiful moment right there. So, all right, we are 20 minutes in on, on one topic. So with that, that is a little glimpse into what has been going on in my mind. And I think actually, instead of continuing on, I actually feel really good about, about that conversation, about this topic. And so I think I'm going to wrap up there for today because I want, I want to make sure that, you know, you listening to understand, you know, some of the, the points that we talked about, I talked about in today's episode in how do I really start to consider, you know, telling or instead of telling, how do I focus on experiencing? How do I help my students experience the expectations instead of simply telling them? So hopefully you were able to take away today, you know, one, two, three, hope maybe more, you know, tips and tricks to try with your students students so that you too can help them experience these behaviors instead of simply just telling them over and over and over. Because at the end of the day, I don't think any of us want to be that broken record where we're just repeating ourselves. So let's think, let's get a little creative. Let's think outside the box and let's apply some of those academic strategies with the behavioral skills. Because at the end of the day, I look at behavior just like another content area. So the more that we can teach these skill deficits, the more that we can reinforce this expected behavior in the sense that works for the student we're working with, you're going to help your students experience behavior a whole heck of a lot easier um, instead of just telling them over and over and over. All right, so I would love, like I said at the beginning, I would absolutely love to know what you thought about this week's episode. So if you are able to, please go ahead and rate and review and subscribe, share it out on social media, and feel free to DM me, message me, email me, would love to know what you thought of the episode. And as always, if you have ideas for podcast topics that you would love to hear on the Define University podcast, you can go right on over to my website, www.defineuniversity.com. Click on podcast and one, you can check out all the episodes there, but you can also, if you scroll to the bottom, you can also send in a request that I would love to talk about on a future episode here at Define You. So with that, everyone, I hope you have an amazing week ahead. And as always, we will talk soon.